0: What's next with the Russia doping saga? The eyes continue to be on the
1: testing that happened in advance of Tokyo to ensure that as best you can, now that we know the Russians um, are going to be there competing, um, that they're held to the same standard that the rest of the world is held to as well.
0: That's Travis Tigert, CEO of USADA, the U.S. anti-doping agency. He joins us on this edition of Around the Rings Radio. I'm Ed Hula. Leaders in the fight against doping in sport say they are disappointed in the outcome of Russia's appeal of sanctions handed down by the World Anti-Doping Agency. While the appeals panel of the Court for Arbitration of Sport upheld the guilt of Russia, the penalties were softened. And Travis Tigert says that reduction in sanctions is a victory for Russia and a loss in the fight against doping. I spoke with him this week by phone in Colorado about the Russia appeal and what happens next. It's a major setback
1: and a a devastating blow to clean athletes. You you, you go back to 2010, which is when the first Russian whistleblowers met with WADA, and nothing happened basically for four years until uh, 2014 when the media released the German documentary, which showed the level of corruption. And at that point, you know, WADA in December of 2014 was going to hand the handling of this over to track and field and let them deal with it. And, you know, a number of Natos, including us, had when Moses, great Olympian, and myself wrote a letter to WADA saying, this is unacceptable, you need to investigate. Well, they then did their investigation in 2015. It came out that November, the first report by Dick Pound. And at that point, athletes from around the world, including WADA's own athlete committee, called for a broader investigation into all sport into Russia, because clearly there were indications that it wasn't limited only to track and field. And unfortunately, WADA punted and didn't open it. And then it was in May of 2016 when, once again, the media disclosed um, Gregory Ratinkov's evidence and everything that he testified about eventually, And and then Richard McLaren, if you remember, was appointed. And so this has been a long, windy road for clean athletes. And and at every turn, almost, they've been disappointed in the system that has let them down. And so it's it's a gloomy, dark outcome. It's far from over. Let me make that point, because I think while this particular stage of this case is over in the way that it is, assuming the Russians don't appeal it, to the Swiss national court and assuming or the IOC and others don't either. And when both of them are claiming victory here, I can't imagine that either are going to appeal it, but we still have 300 plus cases of individual Russian athletes that are, have been handed off to 28, I think, including the IPC international federations that have to be followed up on. And then of course you have the testing going into the Tokyo Olympic games. And we have to ensure, you know, that we don't have a repeat of what happened in Rio. If you remember in Rio, there were 1,913. So that's 1,913 athletes in 10 high-risk sports only from around the world that had no tests leading into the Rio Olympic games. That's unacceptable. And so we have to ensure that the eyes continue to be on the testing that happened in advance of Tokyo, to ensure that as best you can, now that we know the Russians um, are going to be there competing, um, that they're held to the same standard that the rest of the world is held to as well.
0: So does that mean Russia is now, that needs to be subject to an increased level of, of testing and attention and monitoring by anti-doping organizations? Is that gonna happen? Listen, it it, ha- it has to happen, right?
1: I mean, the, the the problem is is the lack of transparency, and you know we know we can't necessarily just take at face value what the IOC or or WADA say about the level of testing being done around the world because we it got out nineteen hundred and thirteen athletes in high risk sports in advance of Rio just. Let, you know, four years ago, had no tests leading into those games, and, and but for that getting out, you know, you look at some of the comments by the IOC and by the Rio organizers, and even by WADA, they they thought that was a very successful testing in the games um, and leading into the games. Which it's not. You ask any athlete who's been tested and is subject to the most rigorous standards, they'll say, "Well, that's unacceptable." I think Michael Phelps testified. Um, that he was tested. I think it was 13 times leading into the Rio Olympic Games. So, can you imagine someone in the uh, swimming high risk sport, some athletes having no tests leading into those Olympic games, and, and yet Michael Phelps has 13? Oh, look, he's the best in the world, and he's not compl- he wasn't complaining about that. It was simply fact. Like we all need to be held to the highest of standards because it's too important. The integrity of sport. Undermine is the is the foundation of why we value the Olympic movement. It's it's not pro sport. It's am, effectively amateur athletes who compete for the good of society on behalf of their countries. And as part of that, it ought to be this understanding that you're doing it by the rules and the right way. It's a symbol of Olympism, the rule of law, and to allow it to be so easily undermined. And then, like we saw in the Russia case, where how the system turns a blind eye to it, to a certain extent, puts in a meager slap on the wrist, no sanction that is near proportional to the egregiousness of the behavior. I mean, let's not forget, the Russians were given chance after chance after chance. WADA, even back in 2016, asked for a complete ban for the Russian team going into the games. And the behavior at that point didn't stop. It only continued up until last year, November of 2019, when they destroyed the very evidence that would have allowed us to ensure that individual Russian athletes who participated in the doping scheme were not allowed to continue to compete. But they destroyed that evidence to cover it up so that those athletes never could be held accountable. And for us just to turn a blind eye essentially to it again with a mere slap on the wrist um, it, it's, just a, it's just a horrible outcome for clean athletes. And I think that's why you see athletes from around the world, whether it's through op-eds or their Twitter accounts, they're standing up and saying, enough is enough. We need to change this system. And I think it's also why you see, you know, the president of the National Governing Body Council here in the United States. You saw strong statements from the United States Olympic Committee, um, CEO and, and President uh Uh, speaking yesterday, I think, or yesterday about after their board meeting about what needs to change, and it's why governments around the world are also standing up, you know, the U.S. government being one of the leaders within that, to say we've got to change the system so athletes have confidence in it. That's what we all want. We want a strong, independent WADA that does the work that it should do no matter how tough it is to do that athletes can have confidence in
0: Is the WADA of today not suitable for that job, for that task?
1: It's clearly not. And, you know, we've been on the forefront of calling for true reform. We we all believe in a strong WADA. We need a strong WADA. But WADA, once an IOC executive vice president became the president, was turned back to the IOC. And now it does what the IOC asks it to do, effectively. And they pay half the bill they have half the seats and they're conflicted. You can't possibly promote sport on the one hand because and an attempt to police it on the other hand. There's an inherent conflict of interest there. And it's something we've known it's it's what led to our existence back in two thousand. You know, we just hit our USA, our twenty year anniversary and, and we're totally independent. And and having been in the trenches and seen how tough it is to make difficult decisions, whether it's taking five medals back from Marion Jones because she broke the rules, or seven yellow jerseys back from Lance Armstrong because he cheated at a level the sport had never seen up to that point. Um, those are tough, hard decisions. And if you have an interest in sport and financially, economically, that is going to prevail. Instead of doing the right thing, it might, in the short term, cut against the profits and the economic um, growth of the sport. But it but it's absolutely in the long term and for the values and the principles that Olympic sport is supposed to stand for, it's absolutely the right decision. You just have to make the right decision. And if you're conflicted wearing two hats, a sport promoter hat and an anti-doping regulator hat, you're always going to defer, from our experience, from what we've seen, to the sports promotion hat. And listen, I think... I think it's really simple. They just they could say tomorrow. They could say today that they're gonna they're gonna relinquish on the executive committee, the committee that has all the power, most of the power now, that decides the recommendation on sanctions. It looks at compliance of who's following the rules, who's not, and what the sanction means there. And and the real decisions about the rules are made there as well. And so they could easily say for the executive committee at WADA, we're going to remove our six seats, I think it is, and we're going to allow those to be independent people. Active athletes should have some of those seats who are independent, and we'll put independent experts in those seats. And, look, that's what happens at the National Anti-Doping Agency, I mean, if around the world. You know, in the U.S., the Olympic Committee, the United States Olympic Committee, one of the most powerful Olympic committees, if not the most powerful one in the world, said we are no longer going to be the ox in the hen house because we know that's not effective. So we're going to pay USADA money to do the job. The government also pays, gives us a grant to do the job. But the USOPC has no governance and no say whatsoever in how USADA does its business. We are truly independent from sport promoters. We have people that know sport. As I mentioned, Edwin Moses, Great Olympian, is our chair emeritus. Our current chair is... Philip Dunn, a three-time Olympian in track and field. But they can't simultaneously sit at at the USADA board and also have any role with the sports organization, volunteer or paid for whom we provide services to. And so their sole duty when they're sitting in the USADA boardroom is to the mission and the purpose of USADA. And so when they agree to uphold the rules and swear an allegiance and a duty to clean athletes... That's the only hat they're wearing. And so that's why you see decisions that are always done, first and foremost, for what's best for clean athletes, not what might be best in the short-term profits for USA Cycling when we have to take back seven yellow jerseys, or USA Track and Field when we have to take five medals back from Marion Jones. And nobody likes those cases. They're terrible cases for everyone, but you have to be willing to apply the rule, whether it's a... Unknown athlete, that it really doesn't matter from a winning standpoint, or it's a global icon. The rules have to be applied fairly, and and athletes need to have confidence that those rules are going to be applied consistently and fairly in each and
0: every case, regardless of who the athlete or what sport they may be in. About a year ago, Witold Banker was elected the new president of WADA. Uh, An athlete himself, he is uh, elected uh, uh, as the government got to nominate its its representative to be water president this time around. How would you evaluate the job that he's doing? I mean, he is supposedly on on your side of things as the government representative uh, heading water at this stage. Yeah, listen,
1: I you know I think I think he inherited a really messy situation um you know i've talked to him um you know regularly not so much recently the communication strategy i totally disagree with you know attacking the u.s threatening u.s athletes i think is misinformed and not where it should go we we ought to be on the exact same team and i think unfortunately you know as a former sports minister the sport and I think in this case the IOC has tremendous influence at WADA. It controls WADA and you know I think you see WADA make decisions that are in line with what sport says and and not necessarily what's in line with um, what's best for for clean athletes And, and that's got to change and my guess is There there are wonderful people on the WADA staff who are working hard every day to try to fulfill their mission. My guess is if they were able to speak candidly, you would hear them tell you that they would love to have the blindfold and the handcuffs of the IOC taken off so that they could actually do the job even better. And my guess is I would hope President Banco would say the same if he's being candid about you know, the mess he inherited and what led to it being a mess, and then the, uh, the decisions that have been made up to now, whether it's new board members coming on, whether it's this Russia case. I mean, the, you know, frankly, to call this Russia decision a landmark victory is, is just IOC speak. And so it's disappointing to hear that out of the president of WADA, um, you know, since then, I think they've clarified that they're likewise disappointed and they thought it was weaker than it should have been, which is good to hear. Um, and maybe as a glimmer of hope that, that they're starting to listen. But at the end of the day, you know, I think the influence that the IOC has is simply too strong. And that has led to the mess of the Russia situation as well as other situations
0: that net effect has been bad for clean athletes. Just in the past few weeks, President Trump has signed the Rochenkov, what's called the Rochenkov Act, named after Gregor Rochenkov, the Russian whistleblower. Uh, That is a law that is going to, was being looked at very warily by people outside the United States. Uh, What do you think the effect of this this law will be that allows U.S. prosecutors to uh, go abroad and go after conspiracies it's not, not not aimed at individual athletes necessarily but it's aimed at the the conspiracies how that all get all gets tied together uh, what do you think will be the impact of that new law yeah
1: listen I, I you know I, we think it's a, obviously a wonderful law and we were fully supportive of it and tried to you know answer the questions about it um around the world, you know, the IOC and Wada both lobbied against it, which we thought was pretty incredible. but we're we're thrilled that it's passed, and we hope that you know they'll similarly join in the effort to implement it now. and any concerns that they had about it will you know they can help minimize those concerns if they think they're they're there. we We don't think that they're there. but we're're we're, we're thrilled with it. and and look, it doesn't that, that law doesn't happen, but for how poorly the Russia situation was handled because it exposed a tremendous gap where people can corrupt major international competitions where U.S. money, U.S. athletes, um, other athletes and other countries' monies are invested in those and basically defrauded because of the cheating that happened by, you know, a state-sponsored doping scheme. And then those behind the state-sponsored scheme simply get a slap on the wrist at best or get a, a, a free pass. And unfortunately, that sends a really bad message that, hey, do your way to the top and, and if you're a state, and if you get caught, the most you're going to get is a, is a small little, you know, token of a sanction. And so that's not the message we want sent. So hopefully this law that's aimed at those that conspire, and athletes are expressly exempt from criminal prosecution. You know, it's no different uh, than the FIFA case, where U.S. law that has an extraterritorial um, reach... Because of the bank and wire fraud acts, so basically, you know, the, the, from a policy standpoint, from the U.S. government, if you take U.S. money, government money, or corporations doing business in the United States, as a, an event organizer to broadcast the event in the United States, and you don't, and the rules are intentionally broken by people, well, you're defrauding that money. That money is invested under the and should be protected under the rules that apply to that event. And when they're not, that's essentially fraud. And we do have a national interest in protecting our investment, whether it's here in the United States or abroad. So the law doesn't apply abroad unless U.S. money from the government or corporations are involved. Number two, the WADA code applies. And then number three, there's a U.S. athlete or athlete's um, and athletes, excuse me, from uh, from other countries competing. So we hope it's going to finally send a wonderful deterrent message. You know, I can tell you there's already a process underway to help coordinate, and this is not DOJ going into other countries. These types of cooperations on international law enforcement um, issues happen all the time, and it's law enforcement in Switzerland or Spain or France, you know, and Japan, cooperating through the normal channels that they do to enforce this U.S.-based law. And so I think you're going to see law enforcement from around the world. In countries where the rule of law matters, clean sport and health and safety of athletes and the protection of events from being defrauded matters, I think you'll see them cooperate in a wonderful way. And hopefully it deters any behavior like this going forward. But if it doesn't deter it, then hopefully those that break the rules and do defraud, they're ultimately caught and sanctioned in a real way that will further the the deterrent message that next.
0: We've been talking about problems with a country and doping. What about a sport and doping, weightlifting in particular? It's going through some extraordinary uh, uh, consequences right now in its leadership and its governance as it reckons with a really, uh, I, I can't imagine a sport that has had a, a worse record as far as uh, doping goes in the past decade or so. What do you think about weightlifting and what should happen to restore some integrity to, to that sport? Yeah, you know, it's
1: unfortunate, but right, because we saw, you know, cycling. We saw it. We saw it with um, track and field. We saw it with biathlon. This is all in the last let's say, 15 years, and and now we're seeing it with weightlifting. What's incredible is during that time that we were exposing it in cycling, you had the president of cycling sitting at the WADA executive committee. You also had uh, the head of biathlon sitting on WADA foundation board meeting, uh, the foundation board. You have the head of weightlifting, Thomas Ion, who has been you know uh, alleged to have been responsible for all this by the McLaren report. And at the time, he was on the foundation board at WADA. Therein lies the problem. You have the watchdog that has interested people sitting around the table deciding how it's going to investigate or not these organizations. And that that is what has to change. And so until that changes, Ed, I think we're going to see this same story repeated. Now, look, we have made tremendous progress in the last 20 years since independent organizations have come into place, and, and WADA has made tremendous progress in a lot of ways, bringing harmonized rules, bringing attention to show that this actually matters. But but now we have to finish the job from a governance standpoint and, and allow them to be truly independent, free of these c- conflicted people, to make the best and the right decision, not for what's good for profits of sport. Or the politics of sport, but what's good for clean athletes? And I think once we get to that phase, you will you will stop seeing these large, you know, catastrophic states running anti you know running drug programs or sports that really you can't compete in unless you're a dirty athlete. And that's our concern, right? Because if we're going to do our job, and every country is you know every country can fall prey to doping. And no country is immune from it, the U.S. included. And we've certainly seen our fair share of bad actors over the years, going back to Balco that I mentioned previously. Um, But we're doing everything within our power and our authority, and the government has made a stand that this matters. It is the rule of law. It is health and safety of athletes and our public. And so we have to fight this battle to win it. And And where that breaks down is... If countries like us and England and Germany and France and Norway, we're in Canada, we're all doing the job that everyone is supposed to be doing under the rules, but then there are glaring holes in places like, you know, Russia or other parts of the world or certain sports where you can't can't compete unless you're dirty, you can't win unless you're dirty, then the whole system falls apart. And that's what we're trying to prevent because it's too important for the future of sport.
0: We're talking to Travis Tigert on this edition of Around the Rings Radio. You've been really generous with your time. Before we let you go, though, we're starting perhaps to overcome the corona pandemic as vaccines are being distributed around the world. Uh, The Tokyo Olympics are supposed to happen in July, Paralympics the following month. Uh, the, 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 the lockdowns, the, the countermeasures against Corona, the travel restrictions have all kind of played havoc on, on, on doping, anti-doping, uh, in the past year. What is the effect that's going to have on clean Olympics and Paralympics in Tokyo? Are you worried that there's been some gaps that have opened up in the past year? That'll be difficult to, uh, difficult to fill. You know, listen, I I think, I mean, everyone's been
1: candid about the reduction in testing that's happened, um, particularly starting in March, April, when when COVID first surfaced. And from a health and safety standpoint, you know, we went to mission critical only testing and had a, you know, a significant reduction in those months. We've done our best to surge following that. You know, we've now put in modified procedures, you know, face masks, as well as a face shield, health check every day for our collection officers. We COVID test our collection officers every week. So we put in the highest standards to ensure safety. We've had actually over 100% on our out-of-competition testing over the past several months, you know, sort of August through the end of the year. Um, So that's, you know, compared to 2019. Of course, the events are down significantly, so that's a worry. Listen, I said at the beginning of this, as long as we had six months prior to the games where we could do full testing, that it didn't. It wasn't a huge concern. I firmly believe the major, overwhelming majority of athletes in countries that are held to the highest standards are clean. Even if they felt like they had a, a new opportunity to cheat, they're not going to cheat because they're the real winners. We want them to be. Now, in certain areas where maybe testing hasn't been as robust, where you know winning means something different than doing it the right way and it's at all costs. Then, then yeah you certainly have concerns you know I also thought the russia case would be a big determination in how clean the games were and I think unfortunately the jury is still out so to speak and we have to ensure the, now that the Russians are, will be there in full contingent that contingent um, that we have to we have to ensure that testing is done in the right way and, and that's a that's a big that's a big unknown because of the lack of transparency you know and you saw the You can go on our website and look at how many times Emma Coburn or Christian Taylor or Katie Ledecky or Lily King are tested. It's on our website. Those are our tests alone, not the International Federation tests. We're unaware of others, certainly no IF that does that. You know, Rusada over in Russia, for a brief period of time, put their testing results by athlete name on their website, and candidly, it was so bad that they took it down. That was back in 2017, right before the PyeongChang Olympic Games. And and they haven't posted them since. That's the kind of transparency and accountability that we call on. And listen, this this was demanded by our athletes. Because our athletes told us back in 2001 when that policy to publicly post their test results went into effect, they said, look, the athletes, we're fine to be tested all the time to the highest standard. But we want to make sure the people we're competing against are also being tested at the same level, because that's what's fair. That's what gives us confidence that everyone is being held to the same standard. And, and yet, unfortunately, you can go and look at the domestic testing done on U.S. athletes. And again, that doesn't include any IF testing, the domestic testing done on U.S. athletes on our website at any given time. And, and that's what we think the world should do as well, to, to allow us to have some transparency and thus, accountability by
0: the type of testing that's being done. Back to Russia: Are you expecting to see uh, changes in behavior, changes in transparency, more transparency by the time of the uh, Tokyo Olympics? I, I, I don't. I,
1: I, unfortunately, I, I wish I could say that they, they have. You know, they most recently this was May, June of this year, 2020. You know, the independent expert. It was appointed by WADA to allow them to become compliant. He was appointed to their supervisory board. He resigned basically in protest because the CEO, someone who had been very outspoken and tried to take responsibility for the Russia state-sponsored doping scandal and thought that they should deserve a a severe sanction for their behavior, uh, as was the deputy she was fired, um, and the independent expert resigned in protest. So that I think the world has seen is not very uh, good evidence that things have changed much from a test- testing standpoint. Well, hopefully WADA, as they should be, are monitoring that. But again, that's all behind closed doors, and the world can't see it. So
0: it's hard to it's hard to know. So there'll be plenty of suspicions hanging over the Russian neutral athletes when they compete in Tokyo this summer. Horrible as it is to say that, I think
1: necessarily that's the case. Because you got to remember, too, the Russians, the, re- the whole reason that case went forward is because the Russians, when they agreed to turn over the evidence from the lab, the data, that was a condition for them to be reinstated. Well, they handed it over, but they destroyed it. Evidence within that data set that applied to individual athletes, and WADA indicated that they could not bring individual cases against those athletes, and so they covered up effectively by destroying the evidence. Um, and so, do are there Russian athletes that they covered it up and destroyed the evidence who will be competing in Tokyo 2021? That's that's nobody can nobody can possibly know that, and there's no guarantees around that. And, and so necessarily you have to assume, I think it's fair to assume, they destroyed that evidence because they were high-profile athletes either in the past, presently, or going forward. And so I think it's fair to assume, again, unfortunately, that you know, they lost the benefit of that doubt because the state-sponsored system and then the steps the Russians took to cover it up. And, and for that behavior, both running the state-sponsored system for years that robbed hundreds of athletes, if not more, around the world, that corrupted the 2012 Olympic Games and the 2014 Sochi Games, were the headlines going into 2016 and 2018. All they get is a mere slap on the wrist, where their flag is not at opening ceremonies and their national anthem is not going to be played. But the athletes will be in the you know same colors with the name Russia. And people in the stands will have flags and we'll be cheering the anthem. It's hard to think that's a fair outcome or a proportional uh, punishment that fits the severity
0: of the crime that we've seen. Travis Tigert, CEO of the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency, has been our guest on this edition of Around the Rings Radio. It's our final podcast for 2020, a year of extraordinary developments, and we thank you for joining us as we document and discuss these changes. I'm Around the Rings editor Ed Hula. On behalf of our staff, we wish you the best for 2021. Stay calm, stay safe, and have a happy new year. For nearly three decades, your best source of news about the Olympics is AroundTheRings.com.